Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Experts brought to you by Sharebird. I'm your host, Marcus Andrews, and today we are going to dive deep into product-led growth. Over the years, more and more companies have become more product-driven, where their product team really holds the most influence and drives a lot of the identity of the company versus sales-led or marketing-led like in the past. This is great because it leads to better customer outcomes and healthier companies, and product marketers are very influential at these companies. But recently, we've seen the rise of something totally new, which is product-led growth, which takes this idea to a whole new level. The product actually sort of becomes sales and marketing. Customers don't go through the typical sales process with multiple meetings with a sales rep. Instead, they just start using the product, either through a freemium model or a free trial. Uh, and this approach is working really, really well. Products like Slack and Zoom and HubSpot and others all have powerful free tools that help bring users in. When I first started working at HubSpot, we had a very nascent uh, PLG practice and have really, really ramped it up over the years. And I can tell you it's only been good for product marketing. Our role has really become more strategic and more impactful, but it took a while to figure out. Um, so what does this change mean for marketers? Can you still do product marketing at a PLG company? What if your company is moving towards product-led growth? How do you prepare? Uh, how does sales change in this model and how do you work with them? There's a lot to unpack with product-led growth and thankfully we've got a product marketing expert to help us out. Eric Keating is the VP of marketing at AppQs, a PLG company that is really helping other companies figure out PLG. He's also a founding member of the Product-Led Growth Collective, which is this amazing site where you can learn a ton about product-led growth. It's really, really helped me. Uh, Eric, what's up? How are you doing? Doing great, Marcus. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How have you been holding up in quarantine? I know you've got some small kids. Are the kids entertained? Yeah. I'm, I've also got kids. If one bursts into the podcast, do you just keep going or will you... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just like any other Zoom meeting, right? Yeah, that happens all the time. Um, no, it's been it's been good. You know, like I think there are, there are pros and cons to it for me. It's been with the kids around. It's great to be able to spend some extra time with them. You know, I got two hours back every day, so kind of splitting that up between getting some exercise in the morning and uh, you know being home for dinner every night with the family, which is something I always tried to do, but wasn't always uh, super easy with the commute. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's distracting having them around, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a balance. It's, it's, uh, it's just different. It is different. I'm we're doing well. We're doing well. People just like to, everybody requests the baby for meetings now, you know, so it's, uh, <laughs> they no longer want me. It's just, uh, where's the baby? Can the baby come on the, uh, the zoom with us? So yeah, yeah. my team's gotten to know my children well, for sure. It's great. Yeah, that is good. That is, it's kind of fun. You get to bring a little bit more of yourself to, um, to meetings, which I think is a yeah, good thing. So that is good. Awesome. So uh, you're the VP of marketing at AppQs. You've got a really interesting career path. Can you tell me a little, can you tell us a little bit about just how you got into marketing in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little odd. Uh, so I went to, I went to school and studied music industry, uh, which was right around the same time that uh, probably dating myself a little bit, but Napster had just kind of disrupted everything right as I started. Um, and so, you know, I studied music industry, which was basically a combination of marketing courses and music business courses, uh, where we learned things like copyright law, et cetera. Um, and so coming out of that, I joined this, uh, startup tech startup in Boston called Sonic Bids, which was basically a, a platform to connect people who booked and licensed music with people who made music. Um, and so I, I joined that team, uh, on the marketing organization, really entry level, you know, 
prior to that, while I was in school, I was working at a, a record label, um, very small one. But ultimately what, what music industry is all about is just marketing music, right? Music's just a product that you're marketing. And um, a lot of what the music industry is about is, is you know, marketing and selling that music. Um, so I realized, you know, after a couple of years there, that uh, I really loved marketing and I didn't love working in the music industry. It was taking some of the joy and the, the art out of it for me. I just saw, started to see it as too much of a business. So, uh, you know, I moved on into um, you know, another SaaS uh, startup, Zoom Info. Um, nothing to do with music, but held on to the marketing angle. Uh, and then, you know, stayed in, in tech startup marketing ever since. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, started in music. I, and I, I think, like, the music background definitely helps I do have a creative side that's kind of spurred my interest in music. I was in bands all the time growing up. And so there's a ton of, there's a ton of uh, creativity involved in marketing. Um, so yeah, I guess it does make sense if I draw the line uh, in retrospect, but I, I didn't know I'd end up here certainly when I started uh, school. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, well, we, especially product marketers, everyone has, you know, sort of like a, a, a meandering path into product marketing just because there isn't, you don't go to school for product marketing. Right, right. Um, so I'm sure everyone can sort of relate with their own, with their own journey. So let's get into product led growth a little bit. Um, you know, it's, I think it's a concept that's becoming more and more well known. Uh, but how do you think about it? What's your quick overview of product led growth and how is it different from a traditional go to market? You know, you mentioned it earlier, um, free trials, freemium, like people, people want to buy an experienced software without having to talk to somebody. It's just the way that we're conditioned these days. Um, you know, especially I think it's been driven by the, the consumer experiences we've all had. Um, super cliche example, but Amazon, you know, you, you get everything you need without talking to anybody. It's a super personalized experience. Every time you log in, it's just self-service personalized turnkey and there's no friction in it whatsoever. Right? Like I don't, even when I you know, have, have support concerns or something like that, it, it happens uh, very automatically and, and really without having to pick up the phone or submit a, a ticket or anything like that. So I think those expectations in our consumer lives have really bled into, into B2B as well. And the, the way that I want to, to learn about new software, you know, the way that I want to start using it is, is by myself. You know, I think like there's been a yeah. you know, long held sentiment that people don't really like talking to salespeople. And, you know, it's kind of sad. I think, you know, sales has gone, is going through something really interesting right now where uh, people are, you know, the best salespeople are actually becoming a heck of a lot more consultative um, and helpful versus, you know, really driving a sale home. I mean, product-led, it's all about the product being the center of the, the user experience and, and really the, the, that experience being the primary driver of, of growth of a business. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think that when you think about it that way, it's, it's almost sort of re of a reaction to how, you know, to a change in the world, what people want. Uh, I think a lot of people can, you know, empathize with that or see that in their own, their own, their own way that they use tools is that you really do just want to jump in and start learning it yourself and figuring it, figuring it out, you know, and I think that, um, people are so familiar with software now and there's all of these great consumer experiences from big companies that that's really, it's really common. And, and yeah, I think it's just what people, I think it's what people want. So why my question for you is like, you know, why are there so many companies, you know, a lot, I think it seems like almost any startup that comes out today and B2B SaaS for instance is goes with this product led growth model. What are the benefits for the companies that are, 
um, that go that move from a maybe a traditional model to product-led growth? Yeah, sure. I mean, the moving from one to the other is its own its own beast, right? They're, they're, that's very complex. I think you know, we're seeing really, really large companies do it. Um, you know, I've had quite a few conversations with folks at IBM that are going through this huge digital transformation, um, and it's in large large part, um, not solely driven, but in large part because of the the smaller startup companies that are disrupting all of these markets with with a product led model. <clears throat> um, but yeah, the benefits, I mean, let's just go back to what I said earlier. It's what people want. It's what your buyers want. So if you're creating an, a, an experience to both buy and use software that is in line with what your buyers want, uh, that's, that's going to be a, a, a positive for your business, of course. Um, but then in addition to that, it's a heck of a lot more efficient of a model. Um, there's, there's a lot less, um, you know, manual uh, involvement uh, with with each customer experience, right? There's it's it's a lot more self serve. So, uh, you know, the role that uh, a salesperson plays, uh, if there is a, even a sales team, some of these product led companies aren't even uh, employing sales teams because the product kind of sells itself. And there's kind of an e commerce uh, model where the product does a nice job showing its value very quickly. And there's a, a transactional model, you know, lower price point. The, the buyer can just make that purchase without talking to anybody. Um, but uh, you know, even on the CS side, when, when products are designed to be really intuitive and self-service, uh, there's less of a need for somebody to be delivering, you know, white glove training and, and, and ongoing support and all that. So, uh, you know, just the, the economics of the product-led model are very beneficial as well. There's a, OpenView has put out a ton of great data about, um, you know, the difference in, in unit economics uh, across sales-led companies and product-led companies. And the, the differences are, are astonishing really yeah they they create some great content and there's you know i think i think sales and service teams are super important but i do think that uh, you know there's if there's problems with the business model in SaaS, it's that sometimes you have to grow this massive sales team to keep your business growing or you have to have this huge cs team to sort of service uh your customer base and, you know, really, if you just, if you have a better product and products becomes, you know, it starts to educate buyers and make sure that people are successful, um, you can shrink those teams. And so it's not this, you know, it's not just, it's, it's amazing if, you know, for some of these companies that can do it without sales, but also um, I think it solves for some of these companies that you would look at. I mean, the, the startup that I worked at, we were very sales led and we just ended up having this huge, this huge sales team that really drove the company. And, um, we probably had way too many salespeople, you know, but it's just how we grew. So yeah, I think, yeah. I think it solves for that in a good way. It, it does. And it's nothing, there's, there's no, this, this is not a statement against CS or sales either, right? Like they just, the roles are changing, you know, sales, sales may play a different role. CS may play a different role. They may uh, start servicing more customers uh, less frequently, for example, or even transfer some of the skill sets they've developed in a customer success role over to more of a you know one-to-many type approach. Mm -hmm. um, so you know the skill sets of salespeople and and CS people and and other uh, you know uh, people whose whose jobs are dedicated to to manually servicing customers. Um, they're not going away. They're just changing and evolving. And, and, you know, we're, we're talking about product marketing here today too. And, um, that's something that's, a, that's evolving at, at just as rapid a clip. Yeah. So, so let's get into that. How does, how does, so sales and service maybe is a little more obvious, but how does the role of just, yeah, marketing in general 
change um, in a product like growth company? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends um, on, you know, is, is there a sales team or not uh, is, is, is a question. The fir- one of the first questions uh, you need to you know, understand to really answer that question. Um, <clears throat> you know, some companies there's no sales team, some companies uh, it's still, you know, largely sales driven. Um, others is kind of a hybrid model. Uh, and, you know, at AppQs, we have more of a hybrid model where we have a, you know, a number of customers who, you know, come into the product and use it self-service and buy on their own without talking to anybody. Um, and then there are others who want a little handholding and, you know, want to be coached through the buying process. And our sales team is there for that. And they take a very consultative approach. Um, they're more of, you know, uh, people who help uh, our prospects make decisions or, or help them get through uh, maybe the initial installation. Um, and in that way, they're very consultative. But but product marketing, you know, is just the way, you know, we, we've talked, you and I have talked about this before, but product marketing can cover so many uh, different parts of the business and, and, and rightfully so, right? I look at product marketing as kind of the, the brain, um, or one of the, one of the centers of, of, uh, the most important information that a company has that really understands the intersection between product and and the market and the customers. Um, and that, that information should be driving, in my opinion, a lot of, of decisions across the business, uh, not just in marketing or product marketing. Um, but you know, when you think about like if a sale, if you have no sales team, that's probably the scariest thing, right? Product marketers who have been very focused on sales enablement Mm -hmm. and now sales teams are being pulled back. What do I do? You know, sales enablement to me is just one part of, of, of product marketing. It is one, uh, tangible example or tangible output of, the, the core understanding that I just talked about that, that product marketing holds. And in a product-led business, you may not be focused so much on enabling a sales team, but certainly you know, things remain true. Like uh, you probably are still responsible for making sure customers are uh, adopting the product and, and know how to use it and you know, driving new use cases of the product, et cetera. And in, in a product-led business, that's no different than in a sales-led business. You're, you still... Um, you know, the, the, the tactics that you, that you, um, prioritize to execute, um, and drive those goals may change. Um, but at the end of the day, the goals are the same. And as a product marketer, I think you're in just as powerful a position to influence those numbers. It just, maybe execution changes a little bit. Yeah, I totally agree. You've got to, you've got to adapt and you got to think about your role differently, but it doesn't, I think, yeah, the, the impact that you can have is still, really, really high. There was, there was a lot in there. One, one point you made, I think that is great is that product growth can be a, is sort of a range, right? Like I guess there's on one side of the spectrum, you said there's people who can come in and buy app queues touchlessly, right? So like they don't talk to anybody in that situation and they just go, they're just buying like you would buy something on an e-commerce site almost. Right. right. Um, but then you could have a hybrid model and then you can like, so I think that I think hopefully that's comforting for people too, is that like, you know, you may switch, but it's not like you're just switching to e-commerce. Is that, is that the right way to think about it? Yeah. Yeah. And and the other thing is like some of these famous product led companies, you think about Slack, I I may be a little off on this example, but many of these famous product led companies that you might just assume, you know, a hundred percent e-commerce, like all self-service purchasing and usage, they have sales teams. Those sales teams are more focused on, okay, I've got, you know, a hundred people now using this product from, from yes. IBM, let's say, 
uh, let's start to put together a strategic plan to get them on you know, some big enterprise agreement, right? So it's like, there's a lot more focus on expansion. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to selling into enterprises, my, my personal experience with this is we are seeing even now enterprises, uh, uh, you know, you might think that like the product led model is very uh, relevant to smaller businesses, startups, et cetera. Um, as, as the buyers is, is what I mean to say here. Um, you know, there's there are very few people involved in the buying process. Me as an end user can come in, start using it, make a buying decision, et cetera. But the reality is even at enterprise companies, the end users have a big influence on the, on the purchase decisions. And, uh, you know, we've seen our, some of our largest enterprise clients have come in through our free trial and started using it themselves and then, you know, invite a teammate and, and then there are a handful of people from that company using it. And then, and then at that point, you know, we'll have a salesperson get involved and try to pull it together. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, you know, sales, sales isn't going anywhere. It's just, it's just changing. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And that, I think that's, I think that's a great point too, is that like, you know, this is not just the thing for startup buyers, but like actually, you know, enterprise companies are using this successfully. And I think that it's just like, like you said, like people want to use the software and like, you know, the, the folks at an enterprise company are still just people at the end of the day, right? Like, you know, that who are making decisions, it's not like, uh, they're all part of a, a corporate entity. Um, Another thing you you, t- you were talking about that, so my, what I think, what the role that I think product marketing can really play is, well, I guess, you know, sometimes when you look at these companies that have a really big sales-led growth, or, you know, they're, they've, they've grown through sales, being a sales-led organization, there's some inefficiencies because like their sales team is out there educating buyers as like the very first touch, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, you want to learn about how you use this product you have, you have to go through the sales team and the sales team is the first person to educate you. This is good for the, for the sales rep because, you know, they can then educate that buyer. Um, but it's pretty inefficient because you have like lots and lots of people that you have to have talking to these and I started talking to your buyers. And I think that product marketing can really replace that at a product led growth company where your product marketing can be the thing that educates the buyer before they get into the product or maybe as they're getting into the product. And so maybe it's a lot shorter, but maybe it's just a combination of things. Maybe it's your blog and podcast and social media and then your website. All of that is educating people on the value and your narrative and your product. So by the time they get into their free trial, they already have some of this, like they've already been educated and that can replace the the sales team. So yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. And, and, you know, I've talked to people who are, working like actively in the process of transforming a company from being sales led to product led. And, and typically what I hear is it, you know, it scares sales teams quite a bit to be, to be introducing uh, some kind of freemium or free trial model or something like that. <clears throat> but once you get into the, the details of it and you start to talk to the sales team about the benefits for them, um, you know, most of the, most of those teams end up getting on board. You know, there are some people who are, you know, just super traditional in their approach and, and have, a, have a hard time with it. But at the end of the day, you should be able to realize a, a future where sales is having only the most qualified conversations where buyers are further along in their buying process. And, um, you know, that free trial experience is really, uh, or that freemium experience or any kind of product experience is really an a benefit to the salesperson because they have to do less of that upfront work. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think, uh, it, like I said, it can be scary, uh, but, but most of the folks that I've talked to in sales or otherwise 
uh, have told me that sales teams end up getting on board and, and then really excited about the impact that it has on their role. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree. I think this is, I think what you said around people already being qualified, you know, the conversations that you're going to be having as a salesperson should be a lot better because they've, they've had the chance to, been it, to be in the product and sort of self-qualify. And, yeah. you know, I think it seems like freemium and, you know, freemium will bring in a lot of people who are trying to solve a single specific pain point. And then it's great. Uh, the, the salesperson's role is, is off, you know, can expand them into like other parts of the product, which I think is, I think salespeople enjoy versus like, you know, all that upfront education with someone who's maybe not qualified. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen that, uh, you know, our salespeople are probably the most, uh, probably have the most product expertise out of any sales team I've worked with. Um, and you know, I think that's just a really, I think it's a really exciting time for sales where, you know, there, there are higher expectations in terms of, um, you know, your, your knowledge of the company and your knowledge of the product and being a consultant to, to your buyers. Um, but yeah, and then, and then just to bring it back to that, like sales enablement angle, yeah, I've been thinking um, as sales teams kind of maybe step back to earlier stages. I think as a product marketer, you can, you can think about the type of sales enablement you were, you were doing for your sales team at the early stages of buying conversations. Just think of it as like, you know, the salesperson is being pulled out as the middleman. And now it's just your job to go in with the same type of content, same type of expertise and deliver that right to the customer. So. I think we can get into a little bit more about like what, like what should product marketers do? I think is a good question. So at a lot of, um, a lot of weird, this was a question that came up from my friend, uh, an old colleague, Janessa, that you actually answered uh, today or yesterday, but a lot of, a lot of PLG companies, there's growth marketers or like, you know, uh, you know, these growth experts and whether they're in product or marketing and there's product marketers who handles who, you know, who, who should handle what and like, what is the role of the product marketer in, in-app messaging and, you know, like the growth, uh, trying to uh, like land and expand, I guess, you know, there's a lot in that question, but I don't know. How do you think about all that? I answered that last night. It's funny. We were just talking about that yesterday. You know, I think I'm going to cop out a little bit and say it it really depends. I think that um, especially in earlier stage companies where people are wearing many hats and, you know, roles roles evolve really quickly and there's probably a lot less um, that's truly dictated by the title you have. Uh, it really comes down to like, you know, what, what are the most, what have, as a company, what have you identified as the most, uh, you know, significant growth levers that you have? Um, you know, a growth person, their skill set tends to be uh, one that is more rooted in experimentation and, you know, quick, rapid iteration and mm-hmm. micro improvements here and there. Um, and so if you've got, a super high volume of users, you know, maybe you're, you're freemium and you've got, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of users uh, coming on board every month, you know, 1% improvements here, 2% improvements there can make a very meaningful difference. And the fastest way to make those improvements um, is typically through kind of an exper- a rapid experimentation and iteration model. And I think growth professionals tend to have the skill set that fits that. Um, so, you know, one of the things I said, uh, in response to that question was, you know, if you're one of your number one goals is to improve your activation rate at that moment where your users, you know, first really experience the value your product has to offer. Um, you know, certainly at least in collaboration with product marketing, but, but a growth, a growth person could set up a series of experiments that could quickly 
you know, in, increase uh, that percentage rate for you. It can really move the needle for your business. I think when you, when you think about like how you approach it strategically versus just on the execution and tactical side, product marketing should at a minimum uh, be driving the strategy there. Because product marketers typically know yeah, they're, they're more likely to be in a position where they can identify that value moment. They can speak to the users very intelligently about that value moment and how to get there. <clears throat> and so, um, you know, again, it really depends, but, uh, you know, if product marketing owns a product adoption number and, you know, some kind of user engagement goal, then I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, whether it's today or, or in a few years from now, I do think product marketing is going to end up owning this this function yeah. of like the, the improving the product experience to drive engagement and adoption and growth and all that. Um, it's just, you know, it really depends on you know, who you have uh, in your company. What, what, uh, what are your, what are your top priorities and uh, how do you think you can realistically get there um, given your current restraints constraints? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I think the the skill set you described of of you know the growth person versus the product marketing, which is maybe on like, you know on the other side of that spectrum, are pretty complementary. I mean, it, a lot of how it works at HubSpot is that the you know the the experiments in the um, those micro improvements and you know all the all there's a lot of strategy that our growth teams are putting together, and then they but they really need product marketing to bring it to life, and so. Um, I love everything that they do in growth. And it's like, you know, they're like, Hey, we want to try and do these different experiments and we're going to run them in this really interesting way that, you know, it's helps going to gather this data to make these decisions. And I'm like, great. I didn't understand most of that, but you know, if you need me to, you know, write this copy about the product and then plug it in, you know, so like usually they yeah. can, they're not great at creating this, you know, the product driven content or knowing the customer and knowing the market. Um, and so they need product marketing to really deliver that. But man, their you know their systems, and I think their um, the way they think about uh, these things is 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 great. So that that's kind of how we work together, and you know we we end up plugging into a lot of things that they're they're doing, and then we can also challenge them to hit our goals. We recently had our you know some people on our growth team get more more aligned to the different products that we own, and it's and versus like you know just the whole the whole company, and it's really helped um, build a stronger bond between I think. Uh, growth marketing and product marketing, which has been good. Yeah. Yeah. And you've, you've got to remember too, you're at HubSpot. HubSpot's, uh, you know, their, their growth function is, is very mature rel- relative to most companies out there, right? Like it's been around for a while and I, you know, I know a few folks that work on growth and they're just super smart. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of companies are dealing with growth teams of, you know, one, two people and mm-hmm. when you, know, you get there and then, uh, you know, things are different. So yeah, it, it depends, but, um, certainly a collaboration is, is probably a, a best practice right now. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you touched on it a little bit, but do you have a point of view on like, you know, where, what are the, the one or two things where marketing really delivers the most leverage to the growth of a, a PLG company? Like where does marketing have the most impact um, on product led growth? Yeah. I mean, when you, when you say marketing, are you excluding product marketing? Are you th- talking about it different or just more holistically? Just the whole thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. just like, um, just, just marketing in general, just, I think is that, you know, in, from your position as a VP of marketing, you know, where do you see that your team and your efforts are like, where are you having the most impact? Yeah. Well, I think right now, <clears throat> um, or 
Yeah, one thing I'll I'll focus on one area because I think I could go on and on about it. But um, I think when you when you start to um, when you start to deliver that more self serve experience, and and there are fewer uh, you know one to one people conversations happening, there's a need for more of a one to many approach. And marketers for a long time have been thinking about one to many approaches, right? When we go out and marketing, with the exception of you know account based marketing. Um, you know, which we, whole other topic, but uh, with the exception of that, it's largely like you're speaking to a large group of people and you're trying to scale <clears throat> whatever it is you're doing in marketing. And, and I think marketing has uh, value um, to add to the rest of the company through that lens. So when it comes to, uh, you know, driving um, user engagement, adoption of the product, et cetera, um, putting together one-to-many uh, programs that reduce, you know, support burden and, and some of these other manual uh jobs um, that's where marketing can really contribute in a product-led company and that's fairly high level and thematic but i think it's that that one-to-many concept you know we've got um for example we've got about a third a third of our customers are managed by a cs person and the other two-thirds they don't have a dedicated you know, person to reach out to we offer support of course to everybody but but marketing is really owning the understanding of the the user life cycle and what type of messaging resonates at each stage and when are people ready to be introduced to the value of the next tier of the product um you know when is when is there a prime expansion opportunity that we should get ready to deliver to sales that's that's really right now it's all living in marketing at appqs i think it varies from company to company but uh, again it all kind of ties back to that one one to many approach what is there anything that um you know just through your experience with talking to companies or, or at AppCast, AppCues, is there anything that you know people really uh, have to learn the hard way or always get wrong when they're first starting off with um, product led growth? Yeah, I think yeah, I've heard this. I've heard this from a number of folks I've talked to of either gone through the transition from sales led to product led or or in marketing teams of product led companies, but <clears throat> um, you know, marketing has the most uh, let's say this marketing can drive, uh, free trialers or freemium, uh, starts, right? So the number that marketing is tasked with in a lot of these companies, especially the, the, um, the ones that are just getting started with it is your marketing team. I need you to drive like a thousand free trial starts this month. And your marketing could hit that number, could exceed that number. And it still may not have the impact on the business that you want it to. Um, it's much like, I think even in a hybrid model or a sales led model where you could drive a thousand leads and turn that those thousand leads turn into, you know, $10,000 in business, or you could drive a hundred leads and those hundred leads turn into a million dollars worth of business. It's all about the quality and the type of people you're bringing in. So I think one mistake I'll say to avoid, uh, especially for marketing teams is do not draw the line at, you know, the number of free trial starts that I, that I drive right? It's got to be, you know, who are these people? Are they, are they using the product? Are they, are they the right types of, of people for, that are going to be successful using the product? And if you have the opportunity to connect your product usage data with your marketing data to understand that, you know, the folks that I drive into a trial or freemium experience through, let's say a Google ad campaign are using the products, you know, twice as successfully as those that I'm driving through content for example. That's a really, really important insight 
for marketers at product-led companies to understand because it's not just about the numbers it's it's uh, or those top top of funnel numbers it's about you know the business impact that you're having um so yeah i guess that's what i'd highlight yeah that's great advice and i think that is a good there's a there's a clear area where product marketing can make a big impact there too because i think that if you have marketing that's product driven it's going to bring in people who have higher intent for your product right you know you can go out there and you can acquire users who care about you know artificial intelligence or something that's like super hot and interesting uh, and has this macro appeal, but if they don't have any intent for what you are going to sell them and like, you know, your product at the end of the day, uh, they could be very, they're not going to be very valuable. So I think product marketing should, if you have marketers who are well-versed in the product, care about the product, who all can also then make that interesting, then you should be able to do good marketing that's pulling in these users that also has high intent. Yeah. And, And related to that, I'd say, you know, care a lot about the free product experience as a marketer, whether or not you own it, you should care a lot and be speaking up about it on a regular basis because you, again, you could drive a thousand high quality leads into a product, but if the product, if the free product experience stinks, you know, it's not, it's not going to turn into anything. Uh, Especially if you're, you're uh, tasked with achieving certain revenue numbers, that's an area that, that can be a, you know, big blocker in that funnel. Um, so, you know, care a lot about it, think a lot about it, figure out, you know, are, if you are getting the right folks in and they're not, you know, being successful with the pre, free, free product, that's a problem for you as a marketer too. Um, so speak up about it and, and have an opinion on it. Uh, it's a really important part of, uh, of the whole funnel now. Absolutely. That is great advice. Um, awesome. Eric, is there anything that you want to, if there's anything you want to tell people about the, um, the collective or anything like that? Or is there anywhere people can find you online if they want to connect with you and learn more? Yeah. Uh, I mean, LinkedIn for sure. I'm not a huge social media person, oddly as a marketer, but uh, LinkedIn, I'm fairly active. Um, on, on, uh, in terms of other resources, yeah. So you mentioned the Product-Led Growth Collective. It's productled.org. Uh, it's, you know, every week we're, we're putting out new content. It's all third-party contributed. So it's not like um, you know, AppCues is creating all this content and publishing it on there. It's, I'm having conversations on a regular basis with thought leaders in this space from all different functions. I think we have a little bit more of a focus on the intersection of product and marketing, um, as well as some stories of, of digital transformation. You know, I've spoken with CEOs who, who have taken their companies, led their companies through that transition from sales-led to product-led, and they go into detail about, you know, here are some of the challenges I ran into. Here's how we overcame them, et cetera. So it's, it's really interesting stuff, and it's all, um, it's all coming directly from people who, who live and breathe it every day. Um, so I'd highly encourage you to check it out. Cool. Yeah. I've, I've uh, spent some time there. It's really good. It's really good. So check it out. Awesome. Eric. Well, um, I'm, I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show and um, yeah, thanks for stopping by. We'll have to do it again soon. Appreciate you having me. Talk soon.